You're listening to a Calvary and Adults podcast, a ministry out of Calvary Baptist Church, Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Calvary Young Adults is a midweek worship gathering of those in the Durham region who are between the ages of 18 and 30. We love the Lord, proclaim His Word, and celebrate His goodness. This podcast series is a release of the sermons from Thursday evenings. In today's episode, Pastor Nick looks at the life of Isaac and the topic of handling responsibility as we continue in the series Character Matters. Let's listen now. I've been waiting for this week, for this moment for weeks, just to be able to come up here and see you. Even though it's bright, I can still see a majority of you. So, hey guys, welcome, and thanks for being here tonight. It's so good to be here, amen? I'm just so excited for what God has in store for this year. I was telling one of our leaders today, God has, uh, even though this year has started a little rough, it's still been a good year because the Lord is with us. He's been doing great things. We still hear great things that the Lord is doing in your life, and we're excited for what is to come. I want to share a few things with you tonight. We're going to talk about uh, another character in the Bible, Isaac. We're going to be talking about responsibility tonight, that we are called to responsibility. We have to be responsible adults as we move forward in life, and sometimes that can be hard, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, But I want to share uh, just a little brief introduction before we jump into actually God's Word and and look at what God has in store for us uh, tonight. Um, Tomorrow is my 12th week of grief counseling. So I've been doing grief counseling every Friday, uh, Friday at 9 o'clock with a a mentor who's been in my life, uh, a former pastor. And uh, every Friday for the last 12 weeks, we will come and we'll sit together, and whether that is in person or online, and we'll go through a course called Grief Share. And inside this course, it actually really brings to light kind of some of the feelings that you may be having when when you've lost something suddenly. And uh, I was thinking about you guys this week and uh, last week's. Last week's lesson was pretty intense. So we get on there, and, the, and it was about murder. It was about when, when a murder happens, and something, uh, someone that you love is taken away instantly, and there's no time to process. Uh, it, can be, it can be very hard. And it was talking about how sometimes when something that we, we love very much uh, is taken away very quickly, uh, a lot of emotion, a lot of... Uh, heartache, a lot of pain uh, can begin to happen. So when we started to look at this, they were teaching us that this type of grieving doesn't have to just be with a person. It can be with things that we love, that we care about, um, that are taken away suddenly. It could be a friendship, a friendship ends. It could be a ministry like our ministry. You're so used to, you're plugging in, you're meeting friends, and then you just get a phone call one day and it's like, or you look on the internet and it's not working or you can't come to that anymore. Or you have a job that you love and that ends. Uh, sometimes you can go into this pattern or this season as Pastor Jordan was just talking about, this kind of low valley. And, and sometimes it can be hard to get out of that. It can be hard to kind of process in those, in those moments. And one of the lessons we were looking at was sometimes when we get into hard seasons, into low valleys, into places where we just feel like everything is overwhelming us, we, we, uh, we tend to do something called negative talk. Have you ever heard of this? Negative talk is uh, when you talk to yourself negatively and when you put yourself down and when you, you actually convince yourself that nothing is going to change. Uh, it's, it's a time where... Um, 
you actually look at everything around you and things could be going well, but you're just so focused on the hurt and the pain and the negativity that's going on that you actually just kind of, you're not only in the valley, you kind of brought a shovel and you're digging even a deeper hole so that you can stand it. And the lesson was coming against negative talk in your life by looking at the gospel, by looking at the truth, by looking at the promises of God. And I just wanted to put that out there for you because I thought it was a quick lesson. It kind of, it's kind of one of those band-aid, rip the band-aid off moments. Like we started, we entered in, we prayed, and we started talking about murder. I was like, that's pretty intense, right? Like for a Friday morning at nine o'clock. But by the end of the lesson, I was taking all kinds of great little lessons from this about uh, how we as God's people, when something is taken away from us, can really, um, can really hurt and really go through some really hard things. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now, um, but if you're in a season where it feels deep, feels hard, and feels like it's not going to end, go to the Lord. Go to the Lord and talk to Him. He'll be with you. His promises are true. Let's actually do that right now. Let's pray together, and we'll open up God's Word. God, we love you so very much, and so thankful for the prayers that we've already prayed for this night. So thankful for Matthew leading us uh, before the throne already. And uh, God, we know that you uh, have, a, have a story for us tonight. You have a lesson for us tonight. You, have a, you want us to draw in. You want us to lean in a little closer to you and, and listen to the Holy Spirit. So God, I ask by your grace that you would help us to do that tonight. I thank you for all my friends here, my family here, and those who are online who are tuning in. We love them. And just thankful that we can have this time. And... Uh, uh, we just give it over to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I know out of everyone here, I think Pastor Jordan is probably the most excited. Are you still here, Jordan? He's here. I'm just going to put Pastor Jordan on blast uh, for a little bit. Pastor Jordan, since the beginning of last March, has been, has been the champion of get back to church. It doesn't matter what we've been doing. Pastor Jordan is saying, okay, but the answer is, let's get to church. And he's right. Like, to gather, there's something about the body coming together and gathering. And I had a moment, I was looking at the team, worshiping, and then I kind of turned and I glanced and I saw you guys. And I saw hands up and I saw hearts open. And I didn't see mouths because they're covered, uh, but I knew you were singing because I could hear you. And it's just a, it's such a, an amazing moment to be able to come together uh, as the church to sit together and open up God's word. And this is a special moment. So God, thank you for that. And Jordan, thank you for pressing in. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the character Isaac. This series has been great because we've been able to take God's word and dissect it so that we can look at the little nuances of God's people. And we've been looking at all kinds of different characters so far, and we got lots of characters to go. Um, But tonight, we're going to be looking at the character of Isaac. And uh, Dan last week talked about the twins, Jacob and Esau. Uh, He brought a great message. And we're just backtracking one week, and we're going to look at their dad. And their dad's name was Isaac. And tonight we're going to focus our application time on the lesson of responsibility. So the question as we jump in tonight is this. Are you being responsible with what you've been given? Are you being responsible with what you have been given? Not about what you had. Sometimes we we live in the past, like when we were growing up, we had some things, and sometimes uh, we can kind of live in the past, and I'm not talking about what you've had, and I'm not talking about what you want, I'm talking about what you have right now in your life. And some of us might not even realize or know what we have in this moment. 
what God has given us to be responsible for, whether you're a student or you're working or you're not working but you're at home or you're a mom or a dad or you're a husband or a wife or whatever the situation is, do you know and understand what you've been called to, what you're responsible for? Because if you don't, you gotta, you gotta know because you're gonna be held accountable for the things that you've been given. Listen to this, in the, in the ESC, I'll, I'll start with the ESV version, uh, since it's the best version by Matt. Um, we'll start there, we'll look at this. It says this in the ESV in Luke 12, 48, it says, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. It's a pretty intense version, let's bring it down another level. That was a little wordy. It's truth, but it's a little wordy. Let's look at the NASB. It says this, for everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. Same verse. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. So still pretty intense, but let me bring it down to a paraphrase in the message version. It says, great gifts mean great, great gifts mean great responsibility. Greater the gift greater the responsibility. We've been all, all of us have been given certain things in life to manage, to oversee, to take account for, to work with. Each of us have responsibilities that we have to be accountable for, whether that's in the home or in the workplace or in the church. We all have responsibilities. And responsibility can be defined as this. It's the quality or state of being accountable. And in this definition, it, lo it looks at three areas. It says being accountable to moral, so a moral standard, whether that is in, 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 just in the world or just a spiritual moral standard to God. There is a, an accountability to law and to God's law. Uh, legal, so the legal ramif ramifications, you can't break the law, you have to be accountable. And then even in this definition, there's a mental accountability. You're responsible for a mental accountability. It also goes on to, to say this, uh, responsibility is defined as being reliable or trustworthy. And also, you can have a negative effect of responsibility when a burden is placed on you and you neglect to keep the responsibility or you neglect to be responsible for that burden. Because some of us have things placed in our life that we don't ask for. There are things all the time that, that life just kind of throws us, and now we're just accountable uh, for these things. Uh, Jess and I and a couple of the leaders were just talking about a minute ago, just about sometimes in life when, uh, when a married couple is, is planning for the future, and then a baby is on the way, and they weren't planning for that. But you have to be accountable. You have to be responsible. You still have to, to follow through. And that can be a scary thing. That can be a hard thing. That can be an overwhelming thing. But all of us are responsible. And sometimes we want to blame shift and we want to put the responsibility on other people. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was working in the East Coast, I worked for a radio station. Had my own radio program uh, on the air from 7 to 12 every night. Uh, it was called The Hit Machine. It was a Christian radio and they did Christian hits. In the summertime, most, a lot of you know this, in the summertime, they would, I would get vacation from the church and they would send me to all these Christian festivals where I would interview all the, all the artists. So there's this one that happens every year, still happens, uh, maybe not right now in the COVID times, but when this is not happening, this still goes on. It's called Soul Fest. It's, on, it's in Maine, uh, in, 
in, in Maine, uh, in the U.S. So that was by the East Coast. It was about six hours from our house. Uh, so I would bring my youth group. So I get paid to go there to listen to all these bands, but I would bring my youth group every year. We'd stay there for a week, listen to all the bands up at this big ski hill, and uh, just have a great time. And then I would do the the interviewing and meet the artists and stuff like that. So Laura and I went out to Soulfest one year and we brought our, our team. And this, this weekend I was very busy. I had, a, I had a, a great leadership team, just like I have a great leadership team here. Very responsible adults, very responsible leaders. Uh, we were there, 30 in total, uh, that weekend of, of young teens between 16 and 18 uh, in my in my care. And one night, we were wrapping up at the, at the place. We would drive to the hill. We would spend the whole day at the hill, watch the concerts, eat, have fun, worship. Great artists, Chris Tomlin, Tomby Mac, all those kinds of people. Skillet, I saw Skillet like four or five times, interviewed them. Great times. But one night, at the very end of the weekend, a big storm took place. You could see it rolling in from the hills. The storm was coming in. And if I know some of my friends who are on from the East Coast, they're probably watching this right now, would remember this time. It, came, it, it, it became really dark really fast. Have you, ever saw, been, have you ever seen one of those storms? It's just bright and then it's dark. And it gets dark fast and you could see it coming. And where we were, sit, where we were at, it was so high up in this mountain that you could actually see the clouds forming and you could see lightning. So it was this scary moment. So we started to gather up our people and get to the front gate so that we could go. And my rule is, before we leave, I'll give you the go-ahead of go, because I got to make sure that everybody is there. So I remember getting all of the people on, our, on the bus and, or on the vans, and we had this rule, and it's the same rule we use. So if you've been to, on a mission tour with me, you'll know if you're a female leader, you're probably in charge of four or five people. And if you're a male leader, you're probably in charge of four or five people. And those are your people. Even though I'm still overseeing you, you have your own people. So I told their leaders, go get your people, meet us in the vans, do your count. Same thing we do for mission tours, same thing back then. So we get there, I go into the first van, first van's good. I go to the second van, second van's good. Go to the third van, there's two females missing. I look at the leader, she's like, mm. I said, what do you mean, mm? Where are the kids? Mm. So I look at the driver and I say, okay, just park right here, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna get the kids. So I go back in, rain, pouring, lightning, scary, t-shirt on, it's like hailing in, in May or June or whenever it was. Uh, I go back in, I find the girls, they're in the ski lodge, I bring them to the front, and we're about to go and get on the van, and I go out there, and guess what? No van. They just drove away. I'm, in, I'm at Soulfest in Maine, in the States, with no cell phone. And I'm literally the only, th the little th the only three people at this whole place was me and two teen, teen girls. Looking at me like, Pastor, like, we're wet, we're cold, where's the van? So I'm like, girls, it's okay, everything's okay, my leaders are amazing. I have the best leaders in the world. One hour passes. Two hours pass. Three hours pass. We are completely soaked. Girls are freezing. I'm, I'm telling them every Bible story I know. I'm like, the Israelites, like, they're like, the manna from heaven. Do you know what manna is? They're like, shut up. <laughs> like, we're, we're telling our parents. <laughs> Four hours later, 
It's quarter to one in the morning. Van shows up with my wife in it. It's just the driver and my wife. I said, what happened? She's like, I have no clue. Like, we got back to the place. Everybody was wet. They went and had showers. They went to dinner. I didn't see you at dinner, but that's not anything unusual. You're the pastor of this ministry. You're always away from everyone, doing things, make, doing leaders meetings. I don't know. She's like, and, but I didn't see you before bedtime. And I'm thinking, that's weird. Nick didn't come and kiss me or tell me goodnight. Like, what happened? So I went and knocked on your door, and the leader that was in there said that you weren't there. And I said, so I started to go into all these cabins, like, where's Nick? And then we figured out we had a meeting. I said, you called a meeting to figure out that I wasn't there? She's like, yeah, we were discussing it for about 45 minutes. I was so angry. I was so mad. But who was responsible for that? Was it the leader's fault? Was it the kid's fault because they weren't paying attention? Was it the driver's fault? He just drove away. Was it my wife's fault because she didn't find me earlier? It was my my fault. I'm the leader. I'm the pastor. I'm the one who is responsible for these kids. And it could have been easy for me to go and blame my leaders or get mad at my wife or, or yell at the kids. And sometimes that's what we want to do in life. We want to shift blame. That's what Adam did with Eve. But in life, we are given responsibility, and we have to be accountable for that. And that was on me, and I, 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 keep that, I keep that close to my heart. Even when we still go on mission tours, we do these little, little they, they, seem, they seem dumb, but I do these little things just to make sure that people are, are around and that we are keeping an eye on people because we are held responsible. But the same thing, is, the same thing happens if you come to church. See so your pastors, Pastor Rick... Pastor Jordan, Pastor Steve, Pastor Kelvin, Pastor Mark, Pastor Jim, and myself, we're responsible. We want to be responsible, but I just want to say we're held responsible before the Lord for your life, if you're doing life with us. So that means that we have to do certain things. We have to talk to you. We have to, we have to read the Bible with you. We have to make sure that you understand certain things. We have to understand it. That's why we are always huddling together and making sure that we are understanding the scriptures and we're studying together so that we know how to apply these things because we have to give an account. But also you have to give an account for the things that the Lord has given to you. And tonight we're going to look at a character from the Bible and we're going to look at responsibility. And we're going to look at Isaac's life, and we're going to learn, there's lots of things that you can learn about Isaac's life, but there are three main things that I want to talk about tonight, three main traits or character traits, and one leadership mistake or misstep. So three character traits. One, Isaac trusted God. That's a great trait. Two, he shared in his provisions. Three, Isaac was blessed, but then he became a blessing to others. God blessed him, and then he blessed others. And four, Isaac's personal life had some issues. So we're going to look at this tonight. We're going to go through these three things in one misstep, and then we're going to pray and ask the Lord to bless us as we go. So let's start. Isaac trusted. If you read Genesis 24, 25, 26, you're going to start to to notice this character, Isaac. His father's name was Abraham. Isaac was the son of a great father and a father to a great son. 
So he was the son of a great father and a father to a great son. And between the two men, Abraham and Jacob, we have this one named Isaac. And the patriarchs from the New Testament and later on in the Old Testament were always referred to these three, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this trio of people that's, that started God's promise. When you read Isaac's story, you're going to see that he really loved God and he really loved his dad. So for so long, I always thought that there were some major issues between Abraham and Isaac because of the, the day he went up on the mountain. But just last week as I was studying, I, I, I was wrong. There's a deep love and a deep connection between Isaac and his dad. And it's actually something that kind of blew me away as we get, we're going to look at that. But he really loved his dad and he understood that he was a gift from God. He understood that he was a promise being fulfilled. That Abraham talked to God and God promised that he would have a son. And that son would be Isaac. He actually said that, gave him the name Isaac. God said, you will name him Isaac. And you know that Abram, his name was changed to Abraham. And then Isaac's son, Jacob, was, his name was changed to Israel. But God never changed Isaac's name. He kept it the same. So Isaac knew and he understood that he was a promise. Isaac was the promised child of Sarah, Sarah and Abraham. He would be the one who would inherit everything that God blessed Abraham with. Do you remember that? A couple weeks ago, I talked about there was this moment where Abraham was kind of lamenting towards God. Like he was kind of upset. He was looking around at all of his stuff, all of the things that he had acquired, all the land he had, all the, all the, the servants that worked with him, all the workers that worked with him. He had, uh, he had, a, bunch of, he had, a, he had a bunch of sheep and cattle. He, he had stuff. He was rich. God blessed him. But he was sad. Abraham was sad in his heart because he didn't have a son to give all this to. And he knew he would die. And he has this conversation with God. And God says, look up the stars. Kind of like, look it up all, all of our lights up here. We have lots of lights. It's kind of look, look up the sky. Those are all going to be families that is going to come through you. So Abraham is blessed. And then Isaac shows up. And Isaac is the promised child of Abraham. And he will inherit it. He would inherit everything. See, Isaac, in his life, he learned very early the power and the provision of God. The God that his father served. It's really cool when you look at this, that Isaac watched his dad serve the Lord. And I was telling Dan today, um, when I was doing some research about uh, Isaac's life, we're going to talk a little bit in like two minutes, but Abraham has this conversation with one of his servants and that's all it says is servant. And there's this weird moment that takes place. And there's a lot of tradition in this. We won't get into it. But Abraham's talking to one of his servants. I think it's Genesis 25. And he says to his servant, I want you to go back to where I came from, back to where my hometown is, back to where my life was from. And I want you to find a wife for my, for my son. And he says, and I want you to put your hand under my thigh. And it was a part of a promise so this little thing is happening. This, this servant puts his hand under Abraham's thigh and makes this promise that he'll go back. But then I knew that story. It's, it's kind of a weird story. But when I started to really look at the little details of that story, it blew me away this week. Because if you look at that story, Abraham's servant goes back. And as Abraham's servant goes back, he's having this conversation with God the whole time. It's being recorded that Abraham's servant is praying. He's asking God for help. He's asking God to pick the right woman because he doesn't want to make a mistake for, it says, his master. He doesn't want to disappoint, his, he doesn't want to disappoint Abraham because he made 
a covenant. He made a, he made a promise. So he's talking to God and he's, he, he figures out this little thing like if she comes to the well and if she, she gets water and if she gets water for my camels, that will be a sign, Lord, that that's the one for, your, for, my, for my master's son. So he has this great conversation. And what I take away from that is Abraham lived his life in such a way that the people that are around him knew how to pray. Because Abraham looked at his servant and said, I have a job for you. Here's some responsibility I'm going to place on your life. And his, his servant went and lived and, and, and did things in a way that actually blessed God, and God blessed him. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So Isaac saw his dad lead well. Isaac took on that responsibility of his father's faith. Isaac learned really early in his life because Isaac was just a boy when he was led up as a sacrifice. Isaac was a part of the testing of his father's faith. And through that event that I always thought would cause doubt and mistrust, Isaac actually learned who his, who his father's God was. See, Isaac learned that the Lord is our provider, our Jehovah Jireh which means our God provides. Isaac trusted his dad because we have this little, this little moment when they're walking along. Isaac is talking to his dad and he says, we're going up to sacrifice. So Abraham was teaching his son that we made sacrifices to honor the Lord. This is what we're gonna do. Isaac already knew by this age that they needed a sacrifice. So when they're walking, Isaac says this. He says, he says where, it says, for while they were walking, Isaac asks his dad, Isaac asks Abraham, where is the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And then it says, so the two walk together. So Isaac understood that there was, there was a certain way to worship God with sacrifice and honor and to talk to the Lord. And then they're going up for this, for this moment and he asks the question, and his dad says, God will provide. And they continue to walk on. If you look at his character, it, it, it's going to reveal that he cared about the traditions that his father cared about. He cared about the, the religion that his father cared about. He cared about the way that his father led his life. He cared about the responsibilities even placed on his life as a promised son. See, Isaac does inherit all of his father's wealth, but instead of just sitting back and kicking back and saying, look at everything I have, I have lots, I can live the good life now, he took responsibility. He was accountable to press on and honor the Lord with the gifts. Not just the gifts that he was given, but his own gifts that he, he was given from God. He was developing those gifts, and he honored God with those gifts with his time and with his talent. Isaac knew that God cared about his life and that he should care about pressing in to what God had in store for his life. We read this in three short chapters about this one character, about the responsibility that was placed on his life. The story of Isaac records that, that his mom, Sarah, I talked about this a few years ago, or a few years ago, a few weeks ago, but that Abraham's wife, Sarah, that he loved very much, remember he, he said, this is my sister, he told the king, this is my sister, um, he loved his wife, Sarah, very much, and she dies, and I can, I can relate to losing a wife, like it, it, it's hard, 
But when you read in Genesis 24, 63, you're going to see the effects of losing someone you love when it's apparent. See, the story of Isaac records that when his mom Sarah passed away, he became very sad. He became sad. And Genesis 24, 63 shows that even though he was sad, it says that he prayed. It says the scriptures record that he went out that day. He was out on a journey, out doing stuff, and he comes home. He gets home, and then he leaves his family, and he leaves everybody that's there, and he goes out to the field, and it says that he meditates. He spends some time with the Lord. He's sad. He's downcast. His heart hurts. He lost something that he really loved. He loved his mom. He loved the time that he spent with her. His mom cared for him, and he, and he, and he was sad. At the very time that he's out in the field and he is meditating and he's seeking the Lord, at the very time, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, our God provides, shows up and he provided. Because when he's out there, Isaac's out there and he looks up, what does he see? He sees the servant coming with this woman. It's a, it's a dramatic scene. He's sad, he's out in the field, he came in, he's been working all day, his heart hurts. And he looks up and Jehovah Jireh, his God provides. God provided him a beautiful wife. And we read that Isaac took Rebekah, her name was Rebekah, to be his wife. And it says that he loved her. And then it says this, just tucked in right at the end. It's really cool. It says that Isaac was comforted by his mom's passing. He says, even though something that was of great value in your life was taken away, Don't run away from your problems. Don't run away from your responsibilities. Don't make any excuses. Come to me. Pray. He does that, and God provided. And it says that he was comforted by his mom's passing. I read that, and I think, the Lord cares. He cares about every part of our lives. He cared about every part of Isaac's life. He knew he was hurting. He knew he was a promised child. He knew he had blessed him with many things. But God didn't leave his side. We press on and we see that he trusted the Lord. Isaac was 40 when he married Rebekah. Right after that, it shares in the Bible, if you're reading along in Genesis 24, 25, 26, 27, that Abraham, his father, passes away. And it shows that Abraham passes away and Isaac honors his dad. It says that he buries him with his mom, Sarah. And once that part of his life was done, it was time for Isaac to start another journey. So Isaac packs up and he continues the journey in his life with the Lord. We see that he moves to a different place. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the remainder of his life, he's in this one place. In the New Testament, Hebrews talks about that he lived in tents. That he continued the tent life, he set it up, he moved around in this area quite a few times, but he never left that area. He stayed there the remainder of his life and honored the Lord. And during that part of his life, after his father dies, his mother dies, his father dies, he goes into this area, he's married now, there's this little reveal that happens. His wife can't have kids. Sometimes when we get married, we have this great plan of having kids. I was talking to one couple a couple weeks ago, and they want like 17 kids. And I said, wow, 
you're going to be pregnant for the next 17 years. That's a lot of swollen ankle life. She laughed and she said, no, it's okay. I want that. That's what I want. That's the desire of my heart. And I said, what if you can't have kids? She didn't like that question. Because sometimes we have this desire in our heart and we just think that the Lord is going to give it to us. And some couples, they go through seasons where they're, it's very hard. They go through seasons where um, they have to wait a little bit. So we see in this, in this story of Isaac's life as it's unfolding that his wife can't have kids. She's barren. And in this example, we're going to come back to it, but Rebecca is barren. They couldn't have children. And we see Isaac do a major leadership move. So men, men who are married, men who want to be married, men who are engaged to be married, listen up. This is what Isaac does in that moment when his wife is struggling, when they're struggling as a couple. It says this. Isaac went to the Lord and he prayed. Isaac went to the Lord and he prayed. And he asked the Lord to provide. Jehovah Jireh. And the scriptures record that he did. Rebecca became pregnant with the twins, Jacob and Esau, that Dan talked about last week. In his life, it was hard. He was given responsibility. And he trusted. In this part of Isaac's life, we learn a few things. That through pain and through hurt, we are called to trust in the promises of God. God will not always give us the desires of our heart. God does not promise us health and wealth, but he does call himself accountable to his own promises, and he will hold his own promises up, and we can count on those things that he promises us in his word. When his mom dies... Isaac teaches, Isaac, Isaac teaches us that you have to pray when we lose people. When his wife can't have kids, Isaac sets the example and he seeks the Lord and he trusts in the Lord and he prays. Even as a young, little young guy, as a potential sacrifice, walking along with his dad, he believed what his dad said, that the Lord would provide a sacrifice for him. So as he's laying on the, on the, on the table or the place where he would be sacrificed and there's a knife above his head, that's probably an awkward and a scary moment. But I actually really believe that Isaac did believe his dad, that he trusted in the Lord, that the Lord would be the provider. See, Isaac shows us, his life, his, the character of Isaac, shows us that we can trust in the promises of God, that God will provide for his children. When God makes an oath, he will keep it. Isaac was responsible to take on the promises of God and to move forward in faith. And I think that's one of the key areas that we need to take away as young professionals is that we need to take the steps forward with God, even when it's hard, even when it's rough, even when it doesn't make any sense. We need to take that promise, keep close to our hearts, step out and go. Isaac trusted. Second thing that we see is Isaac shared. Second characteristic is to take note of is that Isaac shared. After the death of his father, Isaac moved to a place called Beer Leroy, and he began to set up the family business. So he goes in and he starts to set up a new business. He's already rich. He already has a bunch of provision, but it actually says that Isaac goes up and starts, uh, starts his profession. And Isaac's profession, does anybody know? He was a farmer. Not only was he a, a farmer, but he was a good farmer. Because the, 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 
the word of God actually says this in Genesis 26, 12 through 16. It says, Isaac sowed seeds in the land. So farmers would go and dig a hole and put a seed in the hole and they would wait for that harvest. It says, Isaac sowed seed in the land and at that same year, a hundredfold is what he got back. A hundredfold. That's a lot. That's a lot. It says, the Lord blessed him and the man became rich. He prospered more and more and more until he became very wealthy. He already inherited a bunch from his dad, but on his own, he worked with his hands, he trusted in the Lord, and he stepped out with the faith that God had a plan for his life, and he just did well. He just kept trusting the Lord, and it says that he became very wealthy. It says he had possessions of flocks and herds, and he had a great household, it said. It says that he had a great household, so much that even the place that were, they were at, the, the Philistines, they, they envied him. There was this moment that is recorded in this passage where um, the king, the same king that his father goes and says, this is my sister, and the king marries his mom, actually that same king goes to Isaac and says, you're too great of a person for this land. You're, there's too much here for you. You're too powerful. We need you to leave. Isaac's kind of offended by that, but he doesn't retaliate. He shows, he shows his character right there. He doesn't, he doesn't say too bad. He doesn't say, you, who are you to say anything to me about this? He doesn't say like, I have more than you. The king is saying, you are too great of a person to be in this land, to be in this area. So what, is, what does Isaac do? He doesn't fight, doesn't cause in any division. He just gets up and he moves on. And he moves down and, and goes to a different place. He doesn't fight over the land rights, even though he could just say, too bad, I'm not moving. You move. I'm not moving, you move. He doesn't do that. He shares. That's the first thing we see. When Isaac was asked to leave, it actually says that uh, Isaac actually thinks that the, the people that he's sharing this land, the Philistine people, that they hated him. But the king comes later on, and we see this in chapter six, 26. This is, 26 is a really good chapter. And the king comes to him, and he doesn't hate him. He envied him. And he says, I want you to make an oath with me, an oath, an, an oath of peace, that we can just get along in this land. Instead of, uh, the impression that the scripture gives is that Isaac is mad that they asked him to leave, but he doesn't do anything about it. But then the king shows up and says, listen, Isaac, let's, can, we, can, we, can we go to the table? Can we actually have a, have a conversation? Let's make an oath of peace. Isaac shared an oath and swore he would not harm them even though he could. While Isaac is there, he doesn't fight over the land rights. He gives space for peace. But while he's in this land, his father set up these wells. And during the time between his father's death and Isaac getting in this land, uh, the people that were there, they filled in all the wells. They just filled them in. So Isaac goes and he opens up these wells. He opens up the wells, digs them back up, and he gets water running for the land. And he gets this well open and it's, it's, it's able to, like, refresh his people, refresh his animals and stuff. And the Philistine people come over and they say, we want that well. We want that. And instead of like retaliating, like one of us would be like, too bad. Who? No, you're not having that. He just says, okay. And he goes on. And it says that he finds another well. And he gets his men and he gets his people and he opens up and he starts digging and digging and digging. He finds the water. Water's flowing. And the people that were in that town, that area, they came over and they said, this well, we want that. And once again, Isaac, a second time, 
shares. He just picks up and he goes to another well. These are all his father's wells. He doesn't have to share anything, but he does. He takes responsibility for the things that he has. He looks at other people and what they have, and he shares. It records the third well he goes to. He opens it up, and nobody asks for it. So that's where he stays. He just stays there. He figures out, okay, that's where I'm supposed to be. This is the well. Nobody's asking for this water. I'm going to stay there. So Isaac doesn't fight over land rights. He doesn't fight or he doesn't cause division. Keeps peace. He opens up these wells. He keeps moving on, and then he settles in the third one. Isaac shares his wealth with the people around him. He knew that he, what he had and what he could do, and he, he knew that he could treat people a certain way, but he chose not to. He refrained from that because he knew that he had, he had a responsibility from the Lord. He knew that if he was a blessing, he would be, if he was blessed, he was going to bless those people around them. And even though people took advantage of them, Isaac, Isaac's character tells us that he just showed grace. And if we remember what the definition of grace is, it's undeserved favor. It's when you don't deserve something and you get the opposite of what you don't deserve. Isaac could have just went in and said, no, no peace. I'm taking the land. No, you're not getting the water. I'm keeping it. But instead of doing that, instead of actually doing what, he, what could have been right for him, he shows grace. He says, no, keep the land. No, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to waste my time. No, have the water. Bless you. The Lord is good. Grace. He shows grace. Isaac shares his wealth. I, Isaac had inherited a large family business and a considerable amount of wealth. Like his father, he did not hoard it, but fulfilled the role that God had chosen for him to pass on the blessing that would extend to all the nations. Not only would he, be, would he pass on his own blessing, but he blessed those who didn't deserve to be blessed. Isaac shared the provision of God with others, and it's something that we need to learn. As God continues to build us up, as God continues to shape us, as God begins to mold us, as he begins to give us things, we need to look around us and say, okay, how can I bless others? That's, that's true, especially starting with the family of God. The Bible says, start, especially starting with the family of God. Pastor Rick taught us a couple weeks ago about Acts 2.42, that they came together under the apostles' teaching and they broke bread in each other's houses. And, and it says that they sold property and gave the money so that nobody had need. That everybody was getting taken care of. That they were working together as a family under God. This is biblical. It's a biblical model of, of the way we are to set up our life. We are to share. See, this part of Isaac's life shows us another example of being responsible. To be a blessing and not be quarrelsome over things that would just cause us to be greedy or hurtful. There are some things in our lives we need to fight for, yes, but there are also many other things that they're not worth fighting for. There's a lot of things that we can just let go and let God. There are things that we need to fight for. There are times when we draw a line in the sand and say no. When it comes to God's character and his church and, and the what we're called to live and how we're called to live, that's, we stand at that line. We say no, we're not, you're not going to push us on this one, because we're not going to dishonor the Lord. But there's a whole bunch of other things in life that we can let go and just share and let God have, have, have the glory for that, not take God's glory in the moment. We do something good and someone starts praising you, just step back from that and say, oh, let's give that to the Lord. He loves us. He loves you. Isaac shows us that 
didn't fight over the water rights, didn't fight over the land. He was asked to leave. He felt hurt. He didn't let that hurt or that hate grow into anger so that he would just destroy the people. It seems that Isaac was just like Jesus. He was about his father's business. Are you picking up the gospel undertones as we read the character of Isaac? God does the same to us. He shows us grace when we hurt him. He makes room for us. At the table, when we have nothing to bring to the table, we don't even deserve to have a seat at the table, and God pulls out a seat for us and says, here, I purchased that seat for you. Come sit at my table and eat. Powerful stuff to take note of. Looking at Isaac's life, he cared and he shared, and the third thing is Isaac blessed. God made Isaac's dad, Abraham, a promise that the nations would be blessed through that line. And Abraham waited a long time to have a son, even tried to take things into his own hands. Later on in Abraham's life, God told him that Sarah would become pregnant. And actually, if you, read that, if you go back and read that, when God is telling Abraham and tells Sarah that they're going to have a baby, Sarah was 100 years old. They both laughed. They both laughed. Like, how? Abraham's like, how, she's 100. <laughs> She can't have a baby. Sarah laughed. Guess what Isaac's name means? Guess what Isaac's name means? He will laugh. That's what his name is. That's what it means. It's because his parents, when God told them the promise, the responsibility that was coming down the line, they laughed at it. So Isaac was a, a, a great reminder of laughter. And I'm sure every time they looked at Isaac, they laughed. Sometimes we have these inside jokes in our family. I know in my family, we have a ton. We can just look at each other and we just, there, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. We have it with some of you guys. We just, we have these inside little things. I bet you his parents, when he looked at, they looked at Isaac, they, they would laugh. And I, I feel that Isaac was one of those kids that was laughing and he was a man that probably had, uh, had some fun in his life too, but he took responsibility. Isaac takes, responsible, takes responsibility for his blessing. Isaac knows the seriousness of what has been bestowed on his life. He is the promised one, and through that line, a great nation would come. Isaac passes on this blessing. But when we actually look a little bit deeper into Isaac's life, we're going to start seeing cracks. Isaac understood all these amazing things from the Lord. He was caring, he was sharing, he was a blessed man, but not everything in his life was perfect. Just like our lives, we can start out on a great journey and be at a good pace and before you know it, because we make bad decisions, we could be lagging behind, and sometimes we're not even going the same direction. Isaac had some issues in his personal life. Isaac was caring. Isaac was sharing. Isaac was a blessing. But Isaac also had some leadership missteps. A part of his story, after his father dies, he marries, and, and he has the boys. We read this in Genesis 26. But a famine breaks out in the land. And Isaac goes up to the king, the same king, uh, the same king that took his mother as his wife. Uh, but God appears to Isaac and tells him, don't go to Egypt. Don't go there. Be a sojourner in this land. He says to stay in the land and the Lord will bless you. I will give you things if you stay here. God made Isaac the same promise that he made his father, that he would be a blessing and his offering would be as, as numerous as the stars in the heaven. Isaac was blessed and he became a blessing to his family. But while he was in that land, Isaac makes a mistake. He tells the king that his wife, Rebekah, is his sister. 
The same mistake that his dad made twice, the son makes to the same king. Could you imagine the same king? The king is looking out the window one day and they actually see, they see Isaac and Rebecca and they're having a conversation and it says that they were laughing. So that's where I get the, they probably had fun. They were married, but they were keeping it a secret and they were laughing with each other. And the king sees this and he's like, that's not your sister. So they must've been laughing in a a touchy feely way. So the king comes up and says, what have you done? And Isaac does the same thing that his dad says, says the exact same thing to the king. It says, I felt if you knew that she was my sister, you would kill me. Even though we know that the king is actually scared of Isaac. But Isaac has this warped sense of maybe this was passed down the line. This is what we do with all of our wives. Like, we just tell them they're our sisters. Like, what are we doing here? Isaac falls in the footsteps. And we see as Isaac is leading his family, there's not a cohesive leadership structure. We see that Isaac and Rebecca are, are separated in their parenting, the way they're doing things. Dan shared with us that Jacob tricked his brother Esau. We see the wife of Isaac plotting with the son to fool the father. We see the hurt and the pain and the deception that happens between the brothers. After Isaac blesses Jacob, we think that Isaac dies. But when I was actually reading the scriptures, do you know that moment when Dan was teaching us that Isaac says to Esau, go out and kill the game and come back so I can bless you? And we think that Isaac is on his deathbed, that he's, that he's dying because he's blind. We think he's at this moment. He doesn't die. Guess how long he lives for? 40 more years. He lives 40 more years after that, knowing that he made this huge mistake. That his son is now gone because the son takes the blessing. Esau gets mad. Dan taught us this. And he says, I'm going to kill my brother. I'm going to kill him. He's dead to me. Mom runs back to Jacob and says, your brother's upset. You better run. Jacob goes on the lamb, runs away. Esau is angry. And in that time, in this family structure that is breaking down, even though Isaac is a, he, he's responsible, but there's some cracks in his life. It says that Esau marries some women and it actually brings shame and hurt towards his family. So Esau's angry. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going this way. So there's tension in the family. The family is being broke down. Jacob leaves because he's scared of his father and the scriptures record that Jacob never sees his mom again. Could you imagine? You have this great relationship with your mom. You just love her so very much. I know a lot of you in here have great relationships with your mom. You love your mom. Something happens and you tell, you just, like tomorrow, you never get to see your mom again. You never get to talk to your mom again all because of this this moment. Instead of taking the time to really think about this, there's deception, trickery, lots of heartache and pain. Isaac's family starts to crumble. His oldest makes a vow to kill his brother. The brother leaves. Mom never sees the brother again. The, The scriptures record that Esau married two Hittite women and cause the life of Isaac and Rebekah to be bitter. But Jacob does carry on the blessing and is named as one of the patriarchs, but that's not always easy. We can still have pain and hurt and heartache, and even in the midst of that, we can feel like God has deserted us. 
but God is a God of redemption. When we turn to the Lord, we have that story Dan taught us last week about Jacob wrestling with the Lord, working it out, God blessing him. Even in all that deception and pain and heartache, God still redeems. So here's the lesson. Even when we are responsible, you can do all the right things and life can still become unsettling. It is important, though, to be responsible, but when life does become unsettling, it is important to have people around you that you can talk to, that you can trust, to make a plan, to help you make a plan and honor the Lord with your life. So we look at his character, and this is what we learn in closing. A couple promises for us tonight. One, here's a promise for you. You are called to give an account for your life to the Lord. Here's another promise. The Lord has provided grace. He has provided the Holy Spirit. He has provided the church, and he has provided his word to help you. You are not alone. Each of us are responsible to uphold these things in our lives. Trying to live life without taking full advantage of what the Lord has freely given to us is very unwise. If he has given you the spirit, he's given you the word, he's given you the church, he's given you the opportunity to grow in the likeness of his son, and you do not take full advantage of that, that is a very unwise move. You are not taking, you're not being very responsible in what the Lord has done for you. How you execute your responsibilities in life really does matter. Isaac's life teaches us to care deeply for the things of God, that God will keep his promises and he will call us to an account. We are to share with, what the Lord, we are to share with others what the Lord has blessed us with and to pass on those blessings. We also learn that life is hard because of sin. We learn that family life can be hard and some of us are living that. Maybe you are here tonight and it's a break for you because you have to go back into a hard area in your life. Maybe you are at home and you're in a season that is hard. Sometimes family life can be hard. We see that in the Bible. We see that with his life. But one thing we do see though is that the Lord won't leave you even when things get hard. There is lots to think about tonight from the life of, from the life of Isaac. And I'm going to challenge you this week to go back and read Genesis 25 and 26 and 27 and look at the life of Isaac. Look at the little things that are going on and put it in a better context as you read the scriptures and trust in the truth for yourself. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you for this time that we can gather in your name. Lord, just thank you that we can open up your word and that we can see from your word this truth that is so real and so ready for us to just take hold of. God, I know that you've placed lots of responsibility on a lot of our lives. All of our lives we have to give an account for, especially if we're in you. If you have saved us, called us out of darkness into marvelous light, given us the Holy Spirit, given us the church, given us the word, you tell us the meat. God, we gotta be responsible for those things. We have to be safe, but we also gotta be responsible. And Lord, you've made way, you've made provision. So I pray that, that we would honor you in all of those areas. God, I pray if families are having a hard time, I pray that you would help them. I pray for my friends here. I pray for my family that is here. God, we love you. We're so thankful for this night that we can meet to press in. We're just thankful for everything that you continue to do on a regular basis for us that we might be taking for granted. Help us to count our blessings Help us to look up and fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I pray a blessing over this ministry.
I pray that it would honor your name and many would come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, check out our new podcast series, Living in the 66, a conversational series as we walk through God's word chapter by chapter and seek to discover how we can apply it to our lives. Thanks for listening to today's episode and until next time, blessings.